Do you know that over 80% of women will experience hair thinning at some point in their life? Viviscal hair growth supplements are 100% drug-free and clinically proven to achieve thicker, fuller, and healthier hair. Recommended by doctors and stylists, Viviscal is the number one selling hair growth supplement in the U.S. In just three months, it is clinically proven to help achieve thicker, fuller hair. Plus, there is free shipping and a 90-day money-back guarantee. Go to Viviscal.com and use code Jana for 20% off your first order. That's 20% off at Viviscal.com and use code Jana. Welcome to Teach Me Something New, a new podcast from iHeartRadio and Brit Co. I'm your host, Britt Morin. This show is about inspirational thinkers, scientists, artists, and CEOs, and the things they've learned that have transformed their lives. I'm tasking these world-class experts to teach me something new in less than an hour. Listen to Teach Me Something New on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ready, everybody? Yes. Sure. Wind Down with Jenna Kramer and Michael Coughlin and I Radio Podcast. Wow. What you know about that? Even a name change. Wow. I've, it's like, I've, I've arrived. It's like a fish. Um, what? And Michael Coughlin. It's like a fish? Is that what you just said? It's like a fishel. Oh. <laughs> Dad, Dad didn't get either? I didn't get that either. No, no, I love like, Jenna's in her... <laughs> Abbreviation mode. I hung out with Julie too late last night, so. Yeah, that's true. My, I was breaking up all my words. It's totes a fish, yo. <laughs> I can't handle it. Um, real fast, we just got to thank everyone that came out to the podcast tour because it was insane, Mark. Like crazy. I believe it. It was nuts. I mean, the crowd was amazing. Everyone asked awesome questions, interaction. I felt like we were comedians but also therapists <laughs> and then i sang songs it was the cool it was the coolest um, the three-day thing we've ever done we, so shout yeah. out to everyone that went because it was insane and just i loved every second of it virginia new york boston everyone showed up and it really just it felt like a party every night like yeah. it was crazy like after the whole run jan and i were just in the back of the bus like what just wow. happened <laughs> we just couldn't ple- believe people showed up it was cool it was really cool. Right, because uh, you do this show in a room with three other people. Like, yeah. who knows if anybody's listening to it? And then you go, and all these people are there cheering for you. That's so great. It was crazy. And people, like, laughed. It was, I don't know, it was just like, really cool. <laughs> people laughed. They did. They laughed. And I don't want to say some of the bits, but, like, our opening song, we can't talk about it just in case if we do another few dates, because the opening song that Michael walks out to is hilarious. It's perfect. It's the funniest thing ever, but... Again, sorry, Mark, we can't share because those one only, day those we are only for the live to. viewers. <laughs> but they know what we're talking about. Uh, I'm really excited because we're about to move. <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> You're sad. Um, I am getting sad. Really? Yeah. Why? Well, because because it's 65, 70 here, and it's going to be 95, 95, and miserable in Nashville. Yeah, same. <laughs> Michael's driving his truck cross country in a few days, so that's going to be interesting. Yeah, that'll be fun. Me, two dogs, and my brother. Well, I've got the kids for four days, so which one? <laughs> yeah, Jana keeps throwing that at me. He's like, I'm going to be stuck with the kids. I'm like, if you want to switch, by all means, go drive 2,000 miles across country. No, I would love to be the passenger, because I would want to stop along the way and see things. Like, I would want to do the Grand Canyons again and do that route, and then maybe, I don't know, just stop at like all the cool little touristy things, like the big hay ball or hay thing. <laughs> the world's biggest ball of yarn or yeah. something like that. I just find that stuff super interesting. Mm. And like, 
I don't know. That'd be such quality time. And I know that you also love quality time. (laughs) (laughs) I love quality time. But yeah, I drew the short straw. I don't. You're riding with your brother, though, which I think is really cute. Michael has a brother that's 14 years younger than him. So he's about to graduate high school. So before he goes off to college, him and I are going to have this road trip together, which is going to be a really cool memory. Are you guys going to, you know, talk about, well, I'm sure he's already had the, you've already had the sex talk with him. <laughs> he's 18. Yeah. <gasps> oh, and his parents did find condoms, right? <laughs> yes. <gasps> oh God. That's Sorry, Jack. Good. He doesn't listen. No, he doesn't. Well, on your drive, y'all can be listening. <laughs> his, it was funny. It's probably not even his friends. His teachers probably listen. Oh, gosh. I just, okay, let me talk about this really fast. We are at, I was at a friend's house, and the kids were playing. And I don't know what to do. Mark, this is interesting. I kind of want you to pipe in because you have kids older. So it was a range. So Jolie's three. One of the girls was four. One of the boys was five. And I took a call in the other room because I was kind of the mom that was staying down stairs with the kids. And all of a sudden the kid's like, do you want to live or do you want me to kill you? Do you want to die? And I'm like, he didn't just say that. And so I walk back in the room and he's just like, you can go to heaven or I can kill you. Do you guys want to die? And I just thought that was super inappropriate. Wow. Right? Yeah, I'd be horrified by okay, that. Okay, I go, whoa, 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 whoa. I go, you can't. I was like, that is very inappropriate language. And he's like, no, it's not. And I said, yes, it is. Um, our daughter, my daughter's three. I don't want her hearing that. So please stop talking about the D word. Thank you. But then I start thinking about it. Like, should they know death and heaven? Like, that's the thing. I, what age do you even start talking about He doesn't really know what that means. He's five. He was five. So he said, I believe he's five. Yeah. Right. So that's that age where it's, you're impressionable, right? So you probably hear something. Well, and the girls were like laughing. I'm like, that's not funny. We're not laughing about death guys. Cause they don't know what it, they don't really understand yeah but the way he was saying he's like i'm gonna kill you oh i mean like, regardless of him understanding or not he needs to know not to say that period ever so where, where is he hearing that that's my exactly. question exactly right. like you're like, I'm like but kids that's what i'm just scared of i know kids know things sooner now but to say i'm gonna kill that's you that's up to that's the thing that's up to the parents mm, that's pa- like that's that. parenting that's what that is it's not not parenting like if your kid ends up saying that you did a bad job, but if you don't talk about it and fix that, then that's bad parenting. I didn't like it. It just there, made me really a, uncomfortable and like then we ended up leaving soon. A, I'll bet. A lot of those things have come up over the years where something will come up with like, oh, we don't talk about that. But then in the back of my mind, I'm like, should we be talking about that? Should that's they know the about question, yeah. Because, I mean, that's one of the saddest things about being a parent, in my opinion, is when they realize that the world isn't rainbows and unicorns. Right. When they're three, everything's wonderful in the world. The world is parks and play dates and mm-hmm. chicken nuggets and television right. and everything's great. And then they start to realize that there was a 9-11 and that there are people who shoot people and mm-hmm. kill them in public places. And that's the stuff that when they start to realize that stuff, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. But when are they ready for that? And when do you talk yeah, about that? And when do you start about... shielding from that? And should you ever shield them from that? And that's the part I've always had a hard time so with. So what did you do? Um... We've shielded them from that. We've made the decision to kind of keep that away from them. And then they kind of will learn about it in school. They'll learn about it in the world. And then yeah. they'll come home and ask us about it. And then we can talk about it. I don't know if that's the best thing. It but, may not be. But I think, I think to your point, I see why it would be the best thing. Because if you and your wife have offered and inviting a, a, yeah, a comfortable environment for them to bring those kind of things to you, then I think that backs up y'all's kind of theory behind it. 
Mm-hmm. Now, if you didn't, if you didn't have a comfortable household for them to bring up stuff with you and, st- and didn't talk about it, then there's no room for them. Right. There's no space for them to discuss it. Like Sandy Hook, we kept from them very, very carefully because that was a long time ago. They were very young. We were <sighs> really, really careful about that. Yeah. We actually left in the middle of a church service because the pastor started going there. We were oh, like, gosh. oh, let's go. Here we go. Let's go, yeah. kids. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, but since then, now when they happen, because they won't stop happening. Right. Uh, that they hear about it at school. So we have to address it right away. Right. So it's just, I think it's situational too. My wife went to a seminar recently that was specifically about sex talk Mm -hmm. and how do you do that with your kids? And the main lesson from the, the teacher, whatever you call them, was that um, when they come to you with questions, you answer them honestly. And it's no big deal because it scares us because when they come to us and ask a question that we can feel like is completely inappropriate mm-hmm. about specific sexual acts mm-hmm. yeah oh uh, i don't know what that is you know that's our instinct is i don't want to talk about that yeah. but that's not the right move the right move is yeah yeah that's what this is and yeah people do it yeah mm-hmm. it's, it's not a make a big deal no about it. it's no big deal well you know what's crazy so i i this isn't a plug but i i partnered with um a company of committee for children and they, it was all about kids 90 what was it was i think it was 89 or it was like 90 percent of kids know their abuser it when we're if like we're going sexual, yeah. which is like the whole stranger danger thing. Like that's not even a, that's that's actually a myth. And it's I was not reading a myth. This is not as impactful as people that are close to you. Well, no, I mean I I was taught stranger danger. Oh yeah, I think you all are. Which people they should kids should still they not should. go with a stranger. 100%. They should still understand that. But that's talking to your kids about like how to. It was um. It's actually really cool if you guys should look. It's called the Hot Chocolate Talk dot org. But it's about how to talk to your kids about, because Jolie pointed to my privates and was like, what is that? And I was like, oh, it's mommy's like hoo-ha. Like I just made up a name and I was like, I probably should name it. Like actually give it the proper name. Uh, that's what we were told. Give it the name. Yes. Yeah. Give it Which the name. Say, no. Give it the, yeah. And say he's got a penis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if we can say that on air, but it's, it's just very interesting because you want kids to be able to talk to you, but I think it's so awkward and uncomfortable for us to have those conversations because I'm not ready to talk to Jolie about death. I want her to be, Right. I don't want which her to I think know is that okay. yet. Which I think is okay. It's hard to talk about stranger danger because then they might say, well, why? Why? Well, somebody might want to take you. people in this world. Who might want to take you? And then uh, why would they want to take me? Well, I don't want to talk about that part. You know, it's mm-hmm. weird. It's a tough thing. It's just starting to get real complicated and starting to kind of stress me out a little bit because I don't want to do it the right, wrong way. I want them to be able to come and talk to us. But then it's also scary. And I just, I'm like, Ugh. I don't like it. I think... I don't know what to do. Kind of what Mark was touching on is like, I, I feel pretty comfortable in having those conversations. I honestly don't think I'll be that uncomfortable. I think it, because it is just, you just say it like it is because you don't want to make something taboo, right? You don't want right. to, to create this like secret thing around it. And then it all of a sudden becomes that urge for people to do, oh, I'm, I want to do this because it's taboo. It's wrong. Or, it's, and you don't want them to learn about it from their friends at school. Right. Because they're going to get inaccurate information. Absolutely. I don't know why, but the death thing is just really it's freaking tough. me out. I no, just that, have a really hard time with that. That's really topic. hard, especially with today's, the, envi- the environment of today's society with everything going on. That's terrifying to hear. Um, And also our girlfriend, I, I know we just like got real negative. We'll bring it back up. But I just, it scares me in today's society because the, a very great school in Nashville, where our kids are most likely going to go to elementary or, or, or um, high school, one of the kids sent a picture, because oh, yeah. my girlfriend called and told me this, sent a picture to a friend saying, look how many guns I can fit into my backpack. Don't go to school tomorrow. Oh, my God. And yeah. that is in a one of the top 
places, school, like they're ranked 10 in Nashville or Brentwood. And it's like, holy crap. That's like, even I'm like, oh God, I'm like terrified to send Jolie to school. Yeah. That's one of those things. Actually, when this came up, Jana and I were talking about it. We're like the relieving part to get out of LA County is, you know, the homeless, the, the, the chances of things happening, just playing a numbers game. And if you think about a terrorist attack, right, it's going to be LA, Chicago, New York, mm-hmm. you know, big Thanks. cities, right? But. You think. Mm-hmm. The chances of a terrorist attack in Nashville are, you know, oh, smaller God. than Hope a so. major city, God right? God willing. But the school stuff can touch anywhere, anywhere. How? In freaking Brentwood, Tennessee. Yeah. Just makes me really sad. And then I'm like, is it the parents? Is it the kids just being funny? Because that's what it ended up being. The kid just thought it was funny. That's not f- whoever thinks that fun- if my daughter thinks that's funny, I'm going to I'm going to ground her for the rest of her life. That's not funny. So the Sorry. parents and teachers got involved and investigated the yes, situation. The whole thing. And I she mean, was just joking. Called, ha, ha, ha. He, he was joking. He, yeah. yeah. The, I mean, it's not like who thinks that's funny. But like We were talking to our friend who told us this. <gasps> we're like, we all agree. Like that kid should get locked up for a few days. Just, just give scare, him scare give, straight. Scare him straight. Give yeah. him 24 hours in a, in a cell. Mm. Like, look, dumbass, mm-hmm. I don't care how, how funny you think this is, how old you are, you do this shit, you got to pay a little bit, something, like a little bit more than a slap on the wrist, like, this isn't good, just, it's just too sensitive. I would expel the kid. Yeah. If I was the principal, yep. I, because I'm always, Michael always makes fun of me, but I always say like, in your right brain, how did you think this was right? Like we had an issue with a few things in our house. So I always like to know people's like thought process. Mm-hmm. So my thought process for the kid is like, how did you think this is funny? Because all these kids have lost their lives and- it's, I don't know. I just get really upset about that. So anyways, let's talk about happier things. Here, I'll lighten it up back to the sex thing. So years ago, when my daughter was like two or three, she was in the bathroom in the bathtub uh-huh. and she mentioned her vagina. And then mm-hmm. she asked me a question about my vagina. <laughs> so I had to say to her, Dad, where's your vagina? Brooklyn, I don't have a vagina. And her eyes got so big. You don't have a vagina? <laughs> And then I'd explain to her. That's, That's unbelievable. Insane. Yeah. That Aspect. really freaked her out. <laughs> it, when, All right. Where's the video? Go ahead. No, you go ahead, Bo. No, I was just going to say on, on that kind of topic, when my brother was little, oh, no. he was probably five. Uh, no, no, he was older than that. I don't remember when it was, but it was when he started to get curious about the sexual stuff. And my parents gave him this book. And it just kind of paints the sex thing black and white. Like, this is what it is from a scientific or biological standpoint. But then it also has a part in the book where it has like slang terms for all of the sexual parts. Oh, gosh. So my brother's, I don't know, say, let's say he's eight years old. He's like walking around the house saying all the slang words, <laughs> it, slang words just out loud. And my brother is just one of those kids who's comfortable in all situations. So they really get uncomfortable. So he's like eight, year, eight years old walking around saying all the slang stuff. My parents are like trying not to die laughing, <laughs> you know, hearing this eight year old say all that stuff. Yeah. It's like, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We have an awesome in-studio guest today, Chriselle Hartley. Before we talk to her, though, um, let's take a quick break. All right. So moving back to Nashville, Jan and I are really trying to figure out what we're going to do to stay in shape. And we're really thinking... Oh, Speak for yourself, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> we really think Open Fit's the way to go. Because OpenFit takes all the complexity out of losing weight and getting fit. It's a brand new, super simple streaming service that allows you to work out from the comfort of your living room in as little as 10 minutes a day. Yeah. So, I mean, people always say, I don't have time. You do have 10 minutes because they've got amazing trainers and classes. And it's super simple. Everyone's body is different and OpenFit gets that, which is why it is personalized to your needs. 
with custom tailored original content. Yeah, so it's awesome. So I know you can access it from anywhere from your TV, your tablet, your smartphone, and Roku. Our favorite class so far is Extend Bar with Andrea Rogers. It helps you lose weight, sculpting the muscle, build strength without bulk by combining the body shaping benefits of traditional bar routine with a fat blasting calorie burn. And the best part about it, there's no bar required. OpenFit has changed the way I work out. And with our code Jana, you can join me on a fitness journey personalized just for you. Again, use our code Jana and start using OpenFit for your journey to a healthier life. And if you guys question whether or not I was accurate on us both doing bar, we do. It works, even for guys. You got great legs, boo. <laughs> right now, during the OpenFit 30-Day Challenge, our listeners get a special extended 30-day free trial membership to OpenFit, where you can lose up to 15 pounds in 30 days when you text JANA to 303030. You'll get full access to OpenFit, all the workouts, and nutritional information. Totally, totally free. free. <laughs> Again, just text JANA to 303030. Own iconic luxury items at unreal value with The Real Real, the leading reseller of authenticated luxury consignment from top designers like Louis Vuitton, Gucci, Rolex, Cartier, and hundreds more at up to 90% off retail. Shopping consign women's and men's luxury fashion and streetwear, as well as fine jewelry, watches, art, and home decor. Yeah, and new arrivals, they come in daily, and every item undergoes the real world's very meticulous... Brand-specific authentication process, overseen by 100-plus experts, including luxury brand authenticators, gemologists, and horologists. Shop luxury the sustainable way at their newest location in Union Square, San Francisco. You can also go online, download the app, or visit one of the original stores in New York or West Hollywood in LA. Honestly, the realworld.com has been great for us. Um, I know Mike found a watch the other day on there. I, I found a few shoes. Yeah, I saw some emails for, over my birthday for my birthday presents. Jana was going on there for... Uh, yeah, I'm all about the deal. So whether you shop in store, online, or the app, get 20% off select items with promo code REAL. That's the realworld.com promo code REAL for 20% off select items do you want to own iconic luxury items at unreal values yes <laughs> well then go to the real real the leading reseller of authenticated luxury consignment from top designers designers like louis vuitton gucci rolex cartier and hundreds more at up to 90 percent off of retail prices honestly the real has been great for us um i know mike found a watch the other day on there I, I found a few shoes yeah i saw some emails for, over my birthday for my birthday presents jana was going on there for uh, yeah i'm all about the deal so whether you shop in store online or the app get 20 percent off select items with promo code real that's the real real.com promo code real for 20 percent off select items Okay, so in studio, we have the gorgeous Chriselle Hartley. Hey. Hi. Oh, thank you. That's so sweet. You're like, like genuinely beautiful. Like you're oh so pretty. God. Stop. That's so nice. Oh. Thank you so much. You're so pretty. You're obviously. So are you. Here we go. Battle, battle of the beauties. To... No, you're more pretty. <laughs> well, when you just see someone from Instagram, I'm like, oh, I'm excited to meet. And you, you look better in person, if that's possible. Normally, it's Thanks, the opposite. babe. <laughs> It's the love, love you. best in here. I love so it. you are married to Justin Hartley. I am. Um, how long have you guys been married for? Uh, we'll be married in October, two years, but we'll be together six. So, six. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And then you guys met on a soap, right? No, actually. Well, um, you did soaps, though. I did. Okay. Yeah. And I was working with um, one of his best friends on on Days of Our Lives. Okay. Um, and he, his first job ever was on Passions, and so they were love best friends. Passions, I used to yeah, love it. That was my guilty pleasure. And then it just ended and I was like, no, I know. So I was working with his friend on days of our lives and he asked him to kind of like, what's the deal? You know, is she single? 
And so um, the friend is actually a terrible matchmaker because he didn't tell me that at first. And I went on to date some really weird um, people. And then (laughs) I later on asked him, hey, what's the deal with your friend, Justin? He obviously seems single and very handsome. Oh, yeah. Uh, And anyway, and that's when um, we figured it all out. And Uh so if I hadn't asked, we'd give him a hard time. Like, yeah. Right. What are you waiting for? And how long was he divorced before you guys... Two years. Okay, so then Isabella was... She was nine when I nine. came into her okay. life. She's the sweetest, by the way. She really is. She's oh, so Justin sweet. Justin says hello, by the oh, way. Oh, hello, Justin. We did a movie together years ago. Yeah, I remember. Like, we saw him at... We saw him at the, um, the ping Kershaw's pong. Yeah, ping Kershaw's ping pong. And that's where I met her daughter, his daughter, y'all's daughter. Yeah. Um, and she's really sweet, but I'm curious, like, how that was going in at that age. So, actually, I think... Um, Nine years old was that. I don't know every every other person's experience, but I can only speak for mine. It was a great age because she looked at me and she liked my dress and she liked mm. my hair and like she was pretty. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it was, and I used to be a camp counselor and the little girls were <laughs> like that same age group. Perfect. So it was kind of an easy fit in the beginning. And then, you know, it, it's not, you know, you go through different things throughout when they start to grow and those kind of things. But I will say the beginning, I feel like I got, um, I got out a little easy cause she was just so, enthralled with you know my purse or my shoes or my hair so i had an easy audience (laughs) how has the co-parenting been with the other lady yes the mother um so you know i feel like (laughs) she's like you you know you know well i feel like probably a lot of your listeners have gone through the same thing and it's a process Mm -hmm. you know it it doesn't uh, it's not always um something that's like the easiest thing and then you learn and you grow and everyone kind of like gets their own boundaries and as time goes on then it um it ends up just being your normal and hopefully right. that's something that you know it's you want it to be healthy for the child obviously so right. that's if, if that's everyone's goal then you've you've got it made and how is it when you when you are in that situation kind of getting to the point where because obviously you know she's a part of your life and I'm, she's your kid too at yeah. this point right because you're married to justin so at what point did you start to feel where you could kind of be a disciplinarian and kind of take on that motherly, but not stepping over boundaries. Like I, I really feel like that's gotta be difficult for. It is. Uh, it is. And I'm, and I, I feel like I connect with any other, um, you know, parent in my place because it's really tough. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to try and play like, you know, sometimes I'm her friend and she'll ask me questions that she wouldn't feel comfortable asking her parents. And so I've had to go from not having kids to all of a sudden jumping into the, like, oh, my God, I've answered some of the most uncomfortable, like, coming of age, you know, mm-hmm. uh, those kind of questions where I'm like, okay, how do I explain to her what this is? I don't know um, if I'm allowed to say what some of this. Oh, yeah, I, uh, I had to explain what 69 was. Cause, okay. you know, we were just talking about this. That? We just had this talk in my house. That's so really? funny you Wait, say Are that. you serious? Yes. Because <laughs> their friends were talking about it at school and they came and asked right. us and we can't say, oh, I don't know, I have no idea. They'll go talk to somebody else. Well, it's when your dad faces this. No, like, what, like, yes. what are you saying? You almost have to draw the diagram. <laughs> See how the six and the nine Stop. faces that? Yes. It's one of those things. It's like, you're right. It's she's, They're making jokes about it at school. So what do you not, you have to tell her because she's going to figure it out one way or the other. So it's like, okay, what's the best way I could explain this? How did you explain that? Oh, Lord. Um, I believe it was Teach us, like, please. I know, because we have a three and a half and a five month old or six month old. You now, guys so, have yeah. a while. Yeah. I know, but Hopefully. still, like, I need some bullet points. I, um, I said, oh, I, I believe it was, you know, it's um, when 
someone wants to kiss someone's private area. Oh my God, I'm so uncomfortable. At the same time. <laughs> exactly. Um, I tried to make it as clinical as possible. But then that leads to my face. why. Oh. Why would anyone well, want to do that? actually and exactly that's... what she said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my goodness. What'd you say? I said, you you got me. People are so weird. I don't know. <laughs> that, that's, <laughs> that's a good response. That's actually a good response. I like and that. I also like my wife's response. When she explained to her what that was. And how said, did she say You it? don't ever have to do that. Just so you know, that's okay. never something you have to do. Okay. Which I, I thought that was really good. Yeah, that's good. And yeah. did she explain it like that too? Yeah, exactly like that. Wow. <laughs> I can't wait to watch you squirm I, when you have to tell Joel. Confrontation, like that stuff, just really gets me. James is just yeah. going to throw me into the room and lock the door behind me. Like, you talk to dad. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Don't come out until you're done. <laughs> no. Nope. You you got the boy. She's got the girl. That's that's how it works. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yes. You'll have to tell Jolie. Oh, God. I got two girls. I'm scott-free. <laughs> oh, I'll be watching too. Ah, there you go. Um, okay, so, yeah. I just, I mean, that would just be really hard. I feel like I would be the worst because when we were thinking about divorcing, um, <laughs> you know, back when we were thinking about divorce, we, uh, no, but I was, I had my, my number one thing. And this is what you know, my girlfriend, especially Catherine, I said mm-hmm. this to her a million times. I was like, I don't want another woman raising my child. And now, but that's the thing I, and it's nothing against the other woman because that's also great for the child to have two strong women too. But I just looked at it from such a like, um, territorial, like she's mine. But like at the end of the day, I'm like, what a blessing that Bella is to be able to have two strong women in her life. And I think that's a natural her. thought. And I think that's why it is probably a lot tougher in the beginning. In the beginning. Until yeah. you start to, it starts to become your normal. But of course, that's that's everyone's natural instinct. And I think, yeah. you know, coming into that position and knowing that and, mm-hmm. and kind of, you know, and also I'm sure it's difficult for it. It's, you know, it's just something that you slowly grow and adapt. And then hopefully and luckily that's where we are now where everything is. Uh, we, we try and all work together and, you know, it's, it's nice to have the extra hands and the extra help and somebody now it's kind of a bonus where it's like, you know, um, you just have more people involved and more people that love her and more people that are trying to make sure she grows up to be a wonderful human being. So it actually is a, a positive, but of course, in the beginning, I'm sure many people don't feel that way. And that is totally understandable. What does Bella call you? Chriselle. She just calls me. Yeah. Okay. Because I would, that would be like something I'd be like, you cannot call someone. And I can see at, 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 at that age, at nine years old, I, I wouldn't assume that they that she would call you mom or ever necessarily call you mom. But if it was in Jan and I, I situation, you know, back when we talked about divorce. <laughs> A week uh, ago. <laughs> yeah. I'm kidding. Um, you know, if it's an infant, it's like, how do they not call? Because that person's technically, you know, from the ground up. I don't know. Right. That's what I'm saying. It would so be hard tricky. to not call someone who's raising you a mom or dad. Yeah. From that age. Joining when I did, again, she was nine. I, I kind of took the role of like her, her friend and right. like, uh, so there are I'm some here times if you need me type where of like if, if there needs to be discipline that happens. A lot of times I'll just, you know, uh, debrief her dad when mm. he gets home and kind of like talk to him because I just feel like. I don't know. It's I'm I'm probably not. <laughs> I don't know. Probably a lot of other people do better than me. I tiptoe around things because I just don't want to be um, in a position where I, I am stepping on toes or whatever. So maybe I veer too far on mm-hmm. the other side of that. But I think it's better safe than than, you know, yeah. wishing you hadn't done or said something. I don't know. So before we talk about your Netflix series, I heard you have a really cute story about your name. Oh, <laughs> 
<laughs> oh god um well i'll let you decide um if it's cute <laughs> or ridiculous but um in a nutshell so my mother went into labor um when she was getting her car worked on remember when the shell stations were also a mechanic shop yes yeah, yep. okay so she um was getting her car worked on and all of a sudden she goes into labor and the guy there helping her the mechanic he was holding her hand and calming her down he called the ambulance so i was not born in a shell station <laughs> i just Stop. have to clarify that's kind of what i end up seeing on the internet <laughs> that did not happen but she wanted to name me after him because he was so lovely, and his name was Chris. Stop it, Chris Shell. Please tell me his name was Chris. That's amazing. So, and, and a lot of people are like, well, there's Christina. There's a lot of other Chris mm-hmm. names. Um, but um, if you know any of my other sisters, they have very unique names. I have a Shonda, a Tabitha, Carissa, Sabrina. So um, Christina would not have worked in our family. Right. So she went with Chris Shell. <laughs> That's fantastic. I love that. I think that. it's a great story. <laughs> So you actually watched the docu series? No, I haven't yet. But I oh, saw I put, you, put on your queue. You, yeah, I put it on my on my list to watch. Yeah, because I love like million dollar listing, L.A. Yeah. and New York. I love that kind of stuff, and so I haven't watched it yet, but I'm excited to. It's got some great properties. Tell us a little bit about it. So I feel like it it will appeal What's to. What's it called again? It's called Selling Sunset. Selling Sunset. And um, it's um a very binge worthy show on Netflix, mm-hmm. and it basically is. Million dollar listing meets Laguna Beach or the Hills. I don't know if you've seen either of those. So the drama. So are there other than beautiful real estate agents? Yes, they're gorgeous. (laughs) And unfortunately, there is some drama. So they were such a tight knit group working together for a really long time. And I joined as a newbie. You're hated, (laughs) right? I got a little hazing. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Yes. Um, So you kind of watch me uh, go through the process of kind of falling on my face, but then kind of figuring it out and learning as I go. And you also get to see these amazing properties. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a bird's eye view into um, this luxury market that not everybody would get to see. But on these shows, you know, some, I think that's why they're so popular because people really want to see that. Kind yeah, of stuff. Oh yeah. Even, because who's going to go spend $40 million right. on a house? Very, very, very few people. However, we all want to see what it looks like. Like, oh yeah, we Zillow it all the time. Yeah, to be yeah like, like the hundred million dollar houses. In there's LA. an ice skating rink in there. Yeah. yeah, I always think I'm like the taxes alone on a house I like can't. that. I always think I'm like, what do these people do? Exactly. Like, I mean, what you'd it, have to be like a sultan. So those are the houses that you're selling are forty million dollar houses. Well, okay, the company. Because I was like, right. same girl. <laughs> um, I wish if anyone's listening and wants to buy one, I, I there is one on the market. I'm happy to show it to you. <laughs> That's amazing. For qualified buyers. So do you have your real estate license? I do. You know? awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. And so I I live in the valley, and I feel like I tend to work a little more in the valley, but I also. You know, if you have your license, you can work wherever. Mm-hmm. It's just that that is the area I'm a little more passionate about. And I know all about the school districts and um, where you can get the best cup of this and the best bowl of that. So right. um, I tend to have more clients in the in the valley. But mine are the highest thing I've sold so far is five million, which I think amazing. is amazing. That's mm-hmm. fantastic. But at my company, yeah, it goes all the way up to like 50 million. So it's crazy. So on Selling Sunset, do is Justin a part of it at all? Or is he like, I don't want to be part like what, what, like how much do they show your outside lives? So some of the girls do show their outside lives, but at first it was a conflict because he, you know, he's under contract with Fox. Mm-hmm. And so we were trying to work that out. And then it kind of became, once the show started filming, there was drama with, I didn't, re- I thought I was doing a real estate show in the beginning. I didn't know that this was like going to have drama. Yeah. So by the time we started fleshing out what his availability would be, if he, you know, got it cleared, 
I realized, you know what? Maybe it's best that we keep these two things separate because I really like my personal life. I'm so protective over it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, marriage is hard enough on its own. I don't need an added force adding any kind of, um, you know, outward drama at all. So um, I feel like it. that's kind of what happened. So he, you know, there's like an intro and intros, you know, who I'm married to. It's not a, a secret at all. And I right. talk about him, yeah. you know, in my interviews and stuff, but um, he's not featured on the show. Um, so when did you stop acting or are you still acting? I'm still recurring on Days of Our Lives right okay. now. And, um, and I actually have a movie coming out on Netflix June 25th called Staged Killer. Okay. <laughs> Amazing. It. Yeah. Um, so you know what? It just kind of comes and goes. And is there one that you're, are you more passionate in the real estate or are you like, where's your, if, if where's your focus? So, I mean, I always grew up wanting to be an actress, so I'm more passionate doing acting. But what happens is you can't really pick and choose when you work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, I wanted something else. So I'm not going to lie and say I'm as passionate about real estate, but I've come to really love it. It's kind of one of those things that like grew on me. And now I really enjoy sure. it. At no, first, yeah. it was like, you know, you're taking all these tests and it's people are wasting your time. And it, it's kind of a kind of a headache. And now as I'm in entrenched in the process and now I really have people that I've worked with that I've loved and these amazing moments that you get to hand somebody their first keys to their first home it's pretty important and special so now I love it I think um I I mean I definitely can relate because you know obviously my main goal is I want to be on a you know tv show get back on a show because I was on a show for a couple years and that's the steady income that I want but unfortunately like you said we can't pick and choose right and you have to, we have to support our family and it's, there's certain things that I'm doing that make the money, but that's not a hundred percent what I'm actually passionate in doing. Right. But you find the passion in it. Exactly. So yeah. that's where it's like, you found your passion with the real estate and both things can be okay. That's why yeah. like, the things I'm doing on the side, I'm like, yes, do I love, love doing this? No, but I'm loving doing it because I'm finding, I have to find the passion in it because I want to be able to enjoy everything that I'm doing. And it empowers you when you can, you know, be in charge of when you work and when you don't, as an actor, you're kind of a slave to, and it kind of um, can take a hit to your self-confidence if you keep not booking things, you know? And so I just feel like it empowers you when you have a whole nother thing. And then you sometimes end up booking more because you're like, I don't need this job. It'd be great if I got it, Mm -hmm. but I don't need to pay my light bill tomorrow. So, right. With the busy schedules I'm sure you and Justin have separately, what do you guys do to kind of come back together and reconnect with, you know, to drown out all the noise? Yeah, actually, he was just in Canada uh, shooting a movie for a month. So that was a little tough. I went up there for a month or for a week. Um, and then when he got back, it was one of those things where I feel like you just kind of have to seclude yourself a little bit. And even if you maybe you go out or maybe don't, but just kind of like to reconnect. Mm-hmm. So it sounds kind of cheesy or kind of lame, but when you're away that long, um, you don't want it to feel normal, you know? So I, I wanted, as soon as we got back together to get back to kind of the way that it felt where it's like, it's not normal to sleep outside of the same bed for that long. So right. let's like, you know, mm-hmm. do we have to take that meeting in the morning? Let's push it back. Like, let's stay in bed. I don't know. Little Things yeah. like that, where make, I feel like you, know, you just kind of reconnect. Like making intentional time. That's a big thing Jana and I talk about is like making intentional time for each other, not coming back together and going about your regular day routine. It's like, right. let's intend to do this together and reconnect. So, yeah. Um, obviously, you know, you were so happy for your husband. Yes. Has there ever been that jealousy underneath or that frustration? No, I, I, I 
have to say, it's not like we ever are going out for the same parts or right. anything, right. you know? Um, but I'm so genuinely happy for him because when I met him, he was on Revenge. Mm-hmm. And to see him then, you know, kind of ascend to this A-list actor. And of course, he'd always worked before. I always felt bad for him because he was always the lead of a sh- like a pilot, but then the pilot didn't get picked exactly. up or it only ran once. I'm like, God, I'm like, he's such a good actor. He's had such a good look. And so it never really added up to me. So it was it was really cool from an outsider too yeah. to see him go. I think, and again, I can only speak for myself, but I think if you have a, I think healthy competition in a playful way is a good thing. But mm-hmm. if you're actually competitive with your partner, I think that's detrimental. Yeah. I support him and I want him to rule the world if he wants to rule the world. There are times where he has offers. It's like, if you want to do that, I will I will get behind you 1000%. But if you're not going to be happy doing that, who cares? You don't need any more of whatever. Do mm-hmm. it if you want to. And I feel like he does the same for me. So, you know, I, I have to say it's definitely just one of those things where I we're not in competition with each other. The only times we compete against each other is like when it's for fun. If we'll get like if you yeah. get us in a game night, then <laughs> we're the, we'll see you there. We're the same way. We, we get into the biggest arguments at game nights because we get so into it. <laughs> yeah, we're probably too into it because then we leave getting actually mad at each other and take it too personal. Especially New Year's last year. Yeah, that was no good. So funny. I've always been curious about that when people are in the same kind of profession like you and, and Justin and and whether Jan and past relationships with people in music and, and acting, how that relationship is with being competitive. Do you think there's, I'm asking both of you guys, do you think there's couples out there that are like that? Like just for an example, uh, Ryan Gosling and Eva Mendez. I feel like ever since they've been together, like Eva Mendez hasn't really done anything. Do you think that's a testament to them agreeing like, hey, you take a back seat, let me do my thing? Or I'm just curious from y'all, y'all are professionals in this world and around those kind of people. Do you think that takes place? I mean, I'm sure it does. I know what Jen and Ben did was like, she would take a role. He would take a role. It's kind of what I've heard. Like everyone kind of goes, I mean, even like our friends that we just met, like right, when someone's right, right. having a show, it's like, right. all right, then now you need to take the next whatever time off. Right. But that's. But a- I will say I was, when I was in the relationship, I was super jealous, but it was only because from my insecurities. Because right. I had insecurities because I'm like, well, I want to be doing that. I want to be up on that stage. I want like, why, why don't I have that crowd? Like, and then, so then I, but that was all my insecurities feeding into, which ended up ruining the relationship because I was so insecure. And I think, and I think that's, that's part of it where it's like, I can see that, mm-hmm. but luckily because when I was in a bad place and I wasn't working and that's actually when I decided to get my real estate license. Cause I had to, you know, I'm not one of those people that just wants somebody to pay for me like I I take a lot of pride in always having been you know a self-made person and, and paying and supporting myself and my family because you came from a homeless background I did so tell yeah what what happened well that? and just to, basically just to to say in that scenario I, instead of being jealous I was so thankful that he was able to be there for me when I was in a place where I had never been able to count on you know my family they come from nothing so I couldn't ever have any help financially from them so to have him be able to financially like be there for me while I went and got my license so it was the opposite of that I was just so grateful that he did that as opposed to the competition part of it and then as far as my family goes they you know we're from we were homeless several stints in our life and um you know it's just kind of something that we I lied about for so long because you know you're embarrassed and I was a kid in school and I missed a grade um and so anyway uh now to be able to have a platform and it's covered on the show in a beautiful way I I think and now I'm able to to bring a spotlight to it and talk about it and help others 
I have to, you know, I think you have to kind of initially had to get over myself and, and the embarrassment. And now I'm not embarrassed anymore. It's something that, you know, it happens and it happens to a lot of people. And I see these people all the time where it's like, you know, I think people have, especially living in a this luxury LA type of market that I work in, people have a um, predisposition to have judgment about people that are homeless. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I just feel like coming from a family that has kind of dealt with I've never said this before, but a family that has dealt with um, not just homelessness, but also addiction and mm-hmm. different things like that. Um, I sometimes tiptoe about what I say because, you know, it's not just me involved in this story, but there right. were a lot of factors, um, you know, so we basically had to fend for ourselves for a, for certain stints of our childhood. And now I, I, um, I really appreciate and love that they always said it felt like the best they could with the means that they had. My parents aren't educated. Um, you know, my dad unfortunately just passed, but he, you know, he couldn't read. And so it was just like, you know, there were just so many, there's so many people born into these poverty type situations and everything is stacked against you to get out of it. I mean, you don't have, so any kind of um, those programs, I'm so passionate about the programs that are helping people that, you know, I, I just feel like sometimes when people really have, everything at their feet they're judging people that don't and it's like you know if the the amount of effort that it takes to get from that spot where you have no help and to pull yourself out of it i just um i i want to help all those people that i can because it it's you have no idea how much it 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 helps their lives to just kind of give them a hand as opposed to you know just blowing them off and thinking that you know get it together. Right. I don't know. I don't know if I spoke right. No, <laughs> no, you no. Did. That, was, that was brilliant. And I think to your point, it's sometimes it's unfortunately out of their control, right? Like it's easy to say, Hey, get your shit together. Well, their shit probably fell apart, not because of them, but because of the environment that they're brought into. And that's, you can't blame somebody for that. Like you're saying. And so kudos to you for being mm-hmm. as strong as you are to pull yourself out of that and to be successful, you know, everything that you're doing. And so. everyone go to upwardboundhouse.org to um, help give back. Yeah, it's actually, if I can just say real quick, it's a, it's what I love about them. They don't just give you a place to stay. They, for a whole year that you're there, they give you classes. They give oh, wow. you, That's they amazing. give you childcare while you go interview. They give you um, interview clothes. They give you an apartment to stay in. And so they're um, not just, here's a, here's a bed, you know? So I, that's why I, those are the kind of places that will change someone's life. Yeah. They're trying to help and to grow. I think there are, are only, you know, how we've, because we, we've talked about homeless and, and, and honestly not in a, a respectful way at times, but we had someone, we tried to do this giving back challenge and we gave a bunch of food to a homeless person. He's like, oh no, I don't eat that stuff. And for us, we're like, well, why wouldn't they, you know, but it's, so it's, it was, it was, that was kind of a tricky situation for us. Cause we're like, we're, we were trying to give back and then they're being picky about, I don't know. Right. And I've had that happen before. You know, you you go to give like what you think is like amazing. And then yeah. I've actually uh, done the same thing. I think the best thing if you want to give um, is to find these kind of organizations. Okay. And there's Food on Foot. There's Upward okay. Bound House. There's My Friend's Place. I work with all three of those places that are all That's good about rehabilitating. Yeah. Right. Because um, those people really want. They're willing to. They want to, right. to change or not to change, but they want the help and they need the help. Yeah. yeah. And there's ways to work the program where if you really use what they provide you the i think some of one of them has a 95 percent success rate upward bound house of 
once you go into their facility for the year that you're there, um, 95% success rate of not being homeless again. Wow. So that's really amazing. Do they, do any of these programs like Upward Bound House or the other ones that you mentioned, do they focus on any kind of addiction, 12, addiction 12 step um, concept too? Because this just might be a stereotype or whatever, but from your experience and working with these programs, are there a lot of people that are addicts that may not know that come into this and, and want to get help, but then the, you know, people, the professionals there are realizing they have addictive tendencies or whatever. Is there a correlation there? That's a great question. My friend's place and food on foot both um, accept people in that are whatever, however you come in is how you come in and they will help you no matter what. And mm-hmm. they will help you really, truly. These people are so passionate and they're volunteers and they're so amazing. They deserve all the praise because they're in there every single day volunteering and they are providing them with the resources to really change their life if, if they want it. Upward Bound House is a little different, um, you know, because they house children as well. So I think you have to be really oh, careful sure. and pass drug tests. So I work with um, both kinds, one that does not accept them and one that does. But um, they're, they're both important, you know, and obviously it makes sense. They're accepting small children. So you have to, uh, you have have to a protect them. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, you're just like inspiring all around. You're not only beautiful, but you're smart and you're encouraging. And we just can't thank you enough for coming on the show. Uh, Watch Selling Sunset. It's a docuseries for Netflix. And then um, please give, uh, you know, get some more information, especially go visit uh, upwardboundhouse.org. Rochelle, thank you. Seriously, so much. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Have you guys actually heard about the new show? Have you heard about this? It's called Little Fires Everywhere. Yeah, I heard it's unreal. It's an eight-episode limited series only on Hulu based on the 2017 best-selling novel by Celeste Ng. Starring and executive produced by Academy Award winner Reese Witherspoon and Golden Globe nominee Carrie Washington. Oh, I actually did see this on Good Morning America because they were promoting it. And I was just mm-hmm. like, I love both of them together. Um, that's exciting. And now it's good for me to know that I can watch the first three episodes, March 18th. New episodes Wednesdays on Hulu. So the series follows the intertwined fates of the picture-perfect Richardson family and an enigmatic mother-daughter duo who move into town and upend their lives with devastating consequences. The series explores the weight of long-held secrets, the ferocious pull of motherhood, and what it means to be a mother, as well as the danger in believing that planning and following the rules can avert disaster. Check out the first three episodes on March 18th and new episodes every Wednesday only on Hulu. Wait, this actually sounds really good. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. All right, babe, so you went to college... um, and yes, you I have did. yes, you did, uh, and you have student loans, don't you? Or you did? I did at one point. So you definitely needed SoFi back in the day because did you know that millennials have three times as much student debt as their parents? And that's honestly that's not right. But you can get your student loans right by refinancing your loans with SoFi. It's really fast and easy process, all online. It only takes two minutes to check your rate. So refinancing your student loans could save you thousands. So. You definitely needed that. I wish. Um, It's really just one simple monthly payment. Refinancing your student loans could save you thousands. Again, lowering your interest rate, super easy. So all you have to do is check your rate in two minutes on SoFi.com slash Jana. That's SoFi, S-O-F-I dot com slash Jana. You do not want to miss this. Lock in a fixed low rate today at SoFi.com slash Jana. That's S-O-F-I dot com slash Jana. So now the students don't have to like stress as much, you know, because I'm honest worried about when Jolie and Jace go to college. More money in their pockets, less debt. I love it. (sighs) SoFi. Chrishell was awesome. She's so sweet. She's super, like very genuine. Um, Extremely genuine. And I just, I love 
I love her journey. I mean, you can tell like she's a hustler. Yes. And I appreciate that. You Instead of just kind of wallowing or being like, oh, you know, just the spouse up. Like she's making a name for herself. And I just, she's already had the name, but yeah. still like she's, she's not stopping. And I really appreciate that drive. In her. I think that no matter who she's married to, whether it's Justin or a nobody, she wouldn't change. Yeah. Like she just has that passion. She has that grind to do the things that she wants to do mm-hmm. and nothing's going to change that. Yeah. You can definitely just get, you get that from her vibe and her personality is awesome. Yeah, I agree. I just, I really like everything about her. So we should do yeah. a double date. Sure. Okay. Hey, Mark, do you have any emails for us? Well, this one is particularly pertinent, I thought. This is from Holly. She it's says, very what? Pertinent? <laughs> I don't know that word. It's too big for me. <laughs> I've been with my husband for 10 years now. We started struggling with our marriage and divorce was a daily topic. I started a new job and met a man there. As time went on, we grew closer and closer to the point that I told him I loved him and we could start a life together. I just needed to leave my husband. But I didn't have sex with him. I didn't kiss this man because in my heart I knew it was wrong. One night my husband recorded me having a conversation with this other man. I confessed and told him everything. I did contact the other guy one last time to tell him it was over. Since then my husband has been by my side but I am still living in the mess that I made. He still holds it over my head, has no faith or trust in me and it's been going on four years and a child later. Wow. I walk on eggshells because I want to show him that I love him and yes I want this marriage but it doesn't seem enough so... What could I possibly do more than I've already tried to get him to forgive and forget this kind of thing? I want him to trust me and love me the way he did 10 years ago. It's that's hard. I mean, it's a great email. And thank you for sharing all that, Holly. I that's that's a really hard one because you can't put a time limit on someone's. How would I say that someone's process of grieving so I know for us, you know, uh, there, are, there are still times. That's just a hard, because you don't want to put a, pro, you don't want to put a time, because in 10 years, like just when we talked to Jason and, and Shelly about yeah, it, they're like, we're still talking about it. It's 15 minutes, 15, 15 years. Yeah, post This will be a part of their life no matter what. Now, do you think. It sounds like maybe he's not. Well, I'm just going to, I'm curious. Do you think the emotional aspect cuts deeper than the physical? Because she didn't, according to her, she didn't do anything physical with him, but she told him that she loved him and, and talked about starting a life together. I think, again, it just depends. I wouldn't, well, I'm asking you, if I did that, what would be harder? Me just having physical relations or an emotional relation from a guy standpoint? I mean, obviously, neither one of them are great. But I think the physical thing, with the physical, there's, I feel like there's fixable issues because it was probably like a, uh, a time frame or, or something specific that caused the person to go outside the marriage with the, with the emotional, I, I worry about, can this ever be repaired? Like, will you ever love me? Because you fell for another man. Like you told another person you love them. And you wanted to start a life with them. But maybe she truly didn't. I know I've said I love you to people and I didn't really love them. I just was right. needing a, I was just needing that emotional connection. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but again, that's hard for a husband to unsee that. And I get that. Yeah. But I just, you know, you guys obviously have another kid, you brought another kid into the world. So I think it's one of those things where, you know, you just, you can't put the, the, the time on it, but also 
there's got to be some growth on his side too to try to yeah and the fact that she even says the way she says it he still holds it over my head yeah so that's something where it's like that's not that's different than expressing yes all right hey honey you want to go out with your friends okay but here's my fears yeah because of what happened yes. that's the, the way yeah saying it, hold it over my head it's like no i don't want you to do that because i don't you're probably going to do this yeah again four years and a child later she you know i'm sure she's just on based on that she's trying to show i make up that she's showing that she loves him and wants a life with her husband well she's still there yeah Right, I'm. I'm saying, yeah. like, through her actions. Mark, what do you think? Well, obviously, um, I mean, look, she broke his heart. If yeah. I'm putting myself in his position, it's 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 just, it's just profound sadness. It's a heartbreak. It's it's a betrayal. It's why wasn't I enough? It's all that stuff. But I don't know that it gives him the right to be a dick to you no. for the rest of your lives. No, together, you have no? to. That's so, a, that's the part where he has to start. You know. Yeah, I think you. I think I don't know if you guys are in therapy, but I know that uh, you guys have gotten great results from that sort of thing, and I think that will help him get over those emotions of being so jerky about it. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to do that anymore, and maybe that's how you guys can start together. But like you guys said, it's just time. Yeah, time is going to. He, he he's not going anywhere, and yeah. that's great. It's great that he's not going anywhere. It's not great that he's got this. He's still holding it over your head, which could be enticing him to not go anywhere because he feels like he has this power. In control of the relationship, right? And so, you know, if they're not going to therapy, number one, they definitely should. And he's probably hasn't owned anything that he's done where maybe he had something to do with driving her away. But he's still holding on to it. Again, just based off the vernacular she uses, it doesn't seem like he was like, well, what, what could I have done to, mm-hmm. to, to not push her away? It doesn't seem like he's doing that at all, which he needs to. Right, because divorce was a daily topic before this happened. Right, so obviously oh, okay. there's issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah that so makes sense. so yeah. it just seems like he's still finger yeah. pointing, as opposed to being like, mm-hmm. "Is there something I could have done?" Like you know, you for you, it it took you a while. It took you, you know, some time, but you got to the place eventually where it's like, "Well, what can I do different?" You right. know, it, it, it and it takes time, but four years down in the this road, place now, not bef- not before. No, yeah, I'm not yeah, saying yeah, like yeah, immediately yeah. after. No, right, right. It takes some time, but four years down the road. Again, everyone's different. Everyone's timeline is different. But I'd like to think that they should be in a place or hopefully he'd be in a place to start to look at himself. Can I mention something that kind of came up at the podcast tour that kind of has still stuck with me that's bothered me a little bit about kind of this topic? Sure. I'm kind of interested to see Mark's point of view too. So I had asked our guests and then I kind of asked Michael, I said, what would be your marriage deal breaker? (laughs) And he had said, if I cheated on him. And so... After everything we've been through, let me finish. After everything we've been through, if you cheat on me, and I'm I'm thinking to myself, I get that because we've done so much work, but I, but still, it feels so one sided to me that after me sticking through, because I thought we did a lot of work, and I know, granted, we've done so much work now post, you know, getting married and stuff, but it's that. You would really, truly leave me if I cheated on you. And that feels so shallow to me in a way. I understand why it would. And I understand why anyone, male or female, if they're in your position, why if the other person said that, it's like, really? Like, what the F? Like, I took you back. I was willing to work at this. Why would that be the deal breaker? For me, it's not about the act. It's about if... because we we value our communication, we value therapy and discussing on what's going on in our life. If we got to that point where you weren't talking about things that were wrong and you got to a point where you just stuffed it all down and acted out 
outside of our marriage, then I'll be like, what have we been doing all this work for? Like then, then that means you weren't doing the work and coming to me and bringing up issues that you had. So maybe I had my own issues and wouldn't sh- you wouldn't stick. I didn't know that you had your issues before we got married, you know, and it's, oh, I'm just playing, playing devil's advocate. No, I, like, I get I it. I don't understand that. That really bothers me that that would be your thing. I'm like, man, after everything I've stuck out with you. And if I have my moment where sometimes because everything we're going through is a lot and maybe that is my way of of having my slip not saying it's right but like after you know we might get into a big argument and you might have a medium relapse or something maybe not even a physical but and if I go out and like I'm like you're gonna leave me because of that like that for it just really like bothers me it's just like we talk about a lot on this right you don't know what you're doing the situation until you're in it all I'm saying is because of all the work and all the time and all the therapy we have put into this. Just it rubs me. And, 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 and I, which I understand. I understand why I would. I do. I empathize with that. Because I'm like, I can, I can still grow it. Because again, everything that we've been through, I could foresee maybe one day, not saying I would ever cheat on you, but having, being so like, you know what? F it. Right, but again, because of all the things that we do to prevent those things. But what if we didn't? What if, like, that's what I'm saying. But we do. <laughs> but I'm just saying, it, that to me just feels, Mark, do you have any insight on that? Because <laughs> you're just kind of staring at really us. Really trying to hang back on that one. <laughs> I, I do think it's silly to think that there will never be any more problems. Because you're, you're putting in this work, which is great, and you're working together on this, there's still going to be problems along the way. Yeah, right? like I still might be holding resentment to you. And I still have resentment, but in some day, one day that might flare up more and I might be weak just like you've been weak. And, but yet to know that my partner after all this stuff would leave me from a weak moment, like that just feels so like, man, what is this then that you wouldn't fight through with me to get back to a good place again? Cause I honestly will say, I mean, it's just, that's just, I don't know. I think he would honestly. I think he'd leave. I don't. I do. I think he would. Because the fact that he even said that. Because he had to come up I with crazy. an answer. Yeah. There's an audience. No, I. But he's but still like de- would debuking it. What are the yeah, answers? What, that's what, 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 what I was I'll tell you. I'll tell you. This would have been my answer. Because I wouldn't have said if you cheated on me again. It would be if you if you continuously were defensive or 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 so angry. Like I, I don't can't live in that kind of household. Right. I that would be my marriage deal breaker. Not if he cheats again. Okay, but so that's what different I was, people. All right, fine. But I mean, what, again, what else would mine be? Oh gosh, I could, I could shame you twenty four seven. I could, well, yes, you know, I yes, could, that would be a deal. But we're past that. No, so we're I'm not. Saying, As I'm saying, like well, there might be days that I you still, don't, yeah, and you still have those moments. But it's not like it was at the beginning. If you still shame me now, like you used to, yes, and I even told, and I even contemplated that stuff then. Where I was like, I don't know if I can stay in this because of that. But we got past that. So you said, like, from this point, moving forward, if you just randomly started shaming me all the time like you used to, then yes, but that's not what's happening. Hmm. So the only thing I I could come up with is if you did that, it would just be really hard after all of the work that we've done. That's like, now, if I, if I relapsed physically. But you'll say, well, it's an addiction. I, I've never used it as an excuse. You, but you have. You're like, you know I'm an addict. This is a possibility. You said. Right. You know. Because I can never say never. 
Right, but you're right? saying, but in therapy, you'd say like, well, I said, you know. But I wouldn't can't. expect you, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't write that off and expect you to be, okay, I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, but I'm saying if, 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 if I did that, you're telling me that you wouldn't have a really hard time staying? It wouldn't be the reason I left. I didn't ask that. We I have said, to go pick up our daughter now. I asked that. I didn't ask that. I said, would you have a really hard time staying? Of course I would. Right. But that wouldn't be. Okay. That because of why? Because of all the work that we've done. Well, no, because of. And the principle. Yeah. the But it's, you know. Okay. But that's not. But why, but but why can't not, it be the same for me? But that's not my deal breaker. But it would still be a really hard. It'd be really hard for you to determine whether to stay or not. It, that doesn't. That's not my deal breaker, though, and that's okay. We can have different ones. It's just I'm just having. I, right, I'm, I wouldn't, try, I'm trying to put you in the, in the same position where. But I would not. That would not be my deal breaker. You're trying to like put me to say that. I, I understand it'd be a hard decision, right. but it wouldn't be my deal breaker. And that's what you said your deal breaker would be. Okay, let me rephrase that. <laughs> Jesus, it would be a really hard decision. <laughs> okay, all right. We have to go pick up our daughter. This has been a really good episode. <laughs> Love Ended you guys. on a high note. Thanks for your email, Holly. Yeah, thanks, Holly. <laughs> Bye. It's a lot. <laughs> oh, we're going to be like, ow. Ay, ay, ay. What made Vincent van Gogh one of the greatest painters and most tortured souls of all time? Was Harry Houdini predestined to become the great escape artist based on his family's great escape? I'm Dr. Gail Saltz, and on my new podcast, Personology, I'll be joined by amazing experts to delve into the minds of famous historical figures. If you want to know what really made exceptional people tick, then take a listen to Personology. Listen to Personology every Monday on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every shelter pet is unique. Some love a good game of fetch. Others would rather snuggle together with you on the couch. However, there is one thing that they all have in common. They are all pure love. And right now, millions of pets in shelters and rescues across the country are waiting to be adopted. Did you know that only 44% of dogs and 47% of cats in American homes come from animal shelters and rescue groups? The unique quality of each and every shelter pet adds up to an incredible bond between every shelter pet and every pet's parent. If you're thinking about getting a pet, make sure to visit theshelterpetproject.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Maddie's Fund, and the Humane Society of the United States.